Hey, what is going on, everybody? And welcome back to the College Info Geek Podcast, the internet's best resource for getting ahead as a student to becoming more productive, but a terrible resource for learning how to ingest a normal, responsible amount of coffee every single day. Yeah. That actually may be an inaccurate statement because I imagine you don't ingest a copious amount of coffee. Um... I drink more coffee than I did a year ago, mostly to deal with my poor sleeping habits that I'm in the process of fixing. But when I do drink coffee, it's like one a day, one coffee a day. Fix your sleeping habits, dude. Oh, I'm in. I'm. I woke up early this morning. I'm working on it. It just takes some time. And then, like, the problem is that being stuck inside all the time basically means all time is the same. So I don't really notice when it's two a.m. because it's no different to me than like six p.m. Yeah, well, I got well, a call with is. um with my one of my one of my friends in Spain, and I feel so bad for him over there because their their order is uh he he cannot leave his apartment. I think he can leave for an hour a day, only to go to the grocery store, and only within like a kilometer radius. Yeah, they, of where they he lives. Uh, had it's to very get, strict. Had to get very strict over there. Mm-hmm. And over here, I mean, our our order is still in effect as of this recording. And I think this is going live while it's still going to be in effect, at least yeah, in Denver. Yeah. Um, but we can at least go outside to exercise, which is a blessing for sure. Um, anyway, today we're going to do a little bit of an experimental episode. So um, for those of you who haven't tuned into the podcast in a while, uh, one thing that we are going to be doing very soon is retiring the College Info Geek podcast name and changing over to a new name. Uh, I think that's a better way of describing it than simply saying we're ending the podcast because in effect, we're not ending the podcast. We are just moving over to a new name and changing to episode number one. I get, yeah, we will be changing to episode number one, but we're staying on the same feed. You don't have to subscribe to a new podcast. You don't have to subscribe to a new YouTube channel. We're simply changing the branding because, uh, you know, we're both, uh, well, you're, you are 29. I'm nearly 29. Um, um, I haven't been in college for a while and you know, we don't talk about college stuff in this podcast I don't want to anymore. So uh, I miss college. It was cool. That's, I that's do what I have miss to say it. today about college. I ha- yeah. I have a lot of, um, nostalgia for college, but there's just not a huge amount of uh, incentive for me to talk about like test scores anymore because, well, I guess I do have to take my drone exam at some point soon here. That's fair. So maybe there will be like one episode and it's like, hey, I'm reviewing my ability to study for this. But, you know, not every episode is going to be about that. So this is a bit of an experimental episode. We've noticed that we get a lot of questions about uh, some of the specific hobbies and skills that we have. Um, so today we are Same. going to go through. So I don't really notice when it's two a.m. because it's no different to me. I, I want to say like collective hobbies, but there's one hobby on here that only you. Well, have. the sunlight. We is. still get questions about all of them. We're just going to kind of riff on how to get into each of them. Um, talk about some tips that have allowed us to maybe accelerate our learning or practice, and just going to have kind of a fun episode. And you know, I say it's kind of an experiment because with our new podcast yeah. uh, branding that we're going to come out with, yeah. it's going to give gotta, us the ability to sort of branch out a little bit and not always talk about productivity or self development. Yeah, like the whole thing. I want to have the ability to talk about, you know, maybe talk about business sometimes, maybe talk about a hobby sometimes. Um, it's going to be kind of just like a two two dudes talking podcast, you know, Just hang out. We're like Shaggy and Scooby. 
I don't know why that's the duo that I came up with, but I get to be Scooby. Dogs are fast. That it, well, the way, the way your facial hair comes in, it doesn't come in super thick on the sides, so it is a little more shaggy style. And yeah, you probably do. I know you own a green shirt, like a plain green t-shirt. I don't know if you own like regular old khaki pants, but we could probably find some. Hey, that'd be a good Halloween costume. I don't know if I'm going to do, I don't know if I'm going to do Scooby. I think I'd be a better Velma. <laughs> I hope Anna gets to edit this episode. I don't know if she's going to edit mm. this one, but anyway. Uh, so yeah, let's, let's get into it. Um, the first skill that we get questions about is inline skating. I keep trying to say inline skating, not rollerblading. That is a brand. Yeah. I don't use Kleenexes. I use tissues. Right? <laughs> yeah. Ooh. I'm I'm really excited. Uh actually I can I can probably scooch over and grab it. So people suggested that I get a 360 camera. So I did. I got the 360 or the Insta 361R. I'm going to try doing some like action cam stuff with the, with the skates using that later today, actually. Uh, Cause <laughs> well, it's an action cam. So it is literally built for action things. Whereas the way I took my original skating video was I, I have like a phone mount and it is a good phone mount. Like it clamps down pretty hard, but I was just using my iPhone without a case clamped that on a selfie stick. And uh, it worked pretty well. I mean, I got to say I am, I am very impressed with the iPhone's ability to stabilize footage, especially with that wide angle lens. It's pretty incredible. I mean, it, it looks like it's on a gimbal. So, but, but a 360 camera is even better because it is capturing the entire field of view, which means you can get essentially yeah. perfect stabilization. And they have some pretty great stabilization algorithms. Uh, but I want to talk about this skill. Number one, we've gotten questions about it. But number two, I have a declaration to make. Skating is better than running for getting cardio exercise. So much better. So much more fun. So like in the past, right? And I've been, I've been skating since I was a kid. I remember getting my first pair of uh, skates, like roller skates nice. with the quad wheels uh, when I was probably four years old. It's actually probably one of my earliest memories is my parents trying to cool. teach me how to stand up on these things yeah. i think they have a video of me just flopping around i like am fish. indeed working um, on but music. i've been skating since I've then on lots of skin knees growing up and then i kind of forgot about it when i moved to denver and um, it was always just like all right well my options for getting cardio outside are anything to go for a run which i kind of hate piano, or to go for a bike ride wrote, and like um but I'm this whole quarantine thing has me just desperately looking for ways to entertain myself in ways that I can. And I was like, wait a minute, I, I forgot I another song that's also piano. We used to see it all the time in college. Technically speaking, I'm and somewhat calmly rapping It is just the perfect it. like in between. Over the piano, basically. Because I feel like... That I'm still working on the, the music for, because I just redid all of the underlying music to... I want it to now dynamically mm -hmm. match the feeling of the, the lyrics better. Yeah. 
Yeah, they're absolutely the best. Really repetitive, they but. let you see a lot more than you get to see when you're running. Oh, it rhymes because it, you know it, I can it, go. I wrote it like I was writing miles rap. It just skates. doesn't feel and like rap when you listen to uh, it. I think about it's a, like piano forty minutes of skating. No drums, no beat, or anything. I did about an eight mile session, about forty minutes the other day. No, uh, no you see a lot more I that mean, way. It's than, uh, uh, than you it's do not aggressive when you're running. It's just a but with just biking. My, I like biking, my, uh, but skating so is just so much more dynamic to me. I had written a letter. Um, that unless you know, unless I'm mountain biking, but I don't have like easy that's, access to the mountains, especially right now. It's not recommended, or possibly not even legal that I go into the mountains. So almost my only area that I can go to for exercise is within the city, and there's just not a whole lot of like really fun biking area. So I can just you know go put in twenty miles on the bike. But when I'm skating, like a curb is now a fun thing to jump up or jump down, all that kind of stuff. What do you mean? Uh, so my my first tip, I guess, for skating is you got to learn uh, I how wasn't to in a place to publish this one. So without... I have a little bit of an advantage because I was like, <laughs> I'm not ready to put this anywhere and, if I do um, it all. And, and I wanted to, and with, I read like, the, the break music on the back. underlying it. Now this is Which the second time. I so think the third yours version may of how the song could still, sound in but general. You don't even use it, do you? Actually, the fourth version of how this song could sound in general because i keep coming back thinking it's not it's not quite right but yeah. that's because it's a particularly meaningful track so it's harder to move on from than if i had just thrown some stuff together mm-hmm. uh, maybe yeah. i take too long because i'm i used I'm to use it. it i mean it's a, a very much valid way of stopping um but if you ask anybody who's like into inline skating it's not something that they're going to rely on and there are other techniques that you yeah. want to learn especially since you will wear that break away over time. I mean, I guess like most stopping methods are going to wear your wheels away too, but I don't know. Oh yeah. I got, I have the sheet. I have the sheet music for also, the one that I'm I don't think that for. heel break is an effective method of stopping quickly. If you're going, so fast. It, it takes me a little bit because there's just because not every, a lot of every material. Like month or so. I'll just come back and to playing it and then kind of freestyle. If you're, if you're doing like, like a drag stop, with we your wheels, into the original you are putting the blade kind of perpendicular to your skating foot and all four of the wheels are dragging along the ground and you have a lot more control and there's a lot more ability to stop quickly. So I guess that wouldn't be the first thing you do because the first thing you need to do is learn how to skate. And I've had friends who have uh, tried to go skating with and they find it hard to just stay balanced. And I guess the biggest thing there is uh, I find it easiest to stay balanced if you're a little bit lower to the ground at first so you can kind of get like an, a little bit of a bent knee position and you get a lower center of gravity and you feel a little bit more stable but then yeah like once you get going the, the first thing you need to learn to do is stop and uh the, the main thing is a drag stop where you just kind of put your mm. your foot behind you you're not putting weight on it is it usually pretty you're similar putting it perpendicular like the, to the skating cords that, that are used on, for it kind of vary mm. the pressure like it's the so, kind of jazz like in the sense that it's you can you can tell that's the song, but in jazz you'll also have tons of improvised stuff. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, you just rotate your wheels. And it does feel cool. That's true. I think I'm familiar. One thing I've been trying to get Sounds in the habit familiar. of doing is when I'm doing a drag stop, I'll drag a little bit with the right foot and then I'll switch to the left foot and I'll kind of switch between them. So that way I'm ideally putting even wear on all the wheels 
And all I would need to do is say I'm running like a four wheel setup per skate. I would just need to switch the front and back on one to the middle of the other and vice versa. And if you're doing drag stops, it's a good genre feet, for you it. should have even yeah, wear. Not, so then when you switch, not every type of music, and like you don't switch like them, the song for my dad would be around, absurd to release uh, you remix album. I've got like a, a ton of neutral wheel. It would be completely inappropriate because you get to the point where eventually, but, but if you for don't that kind of those genres, it would make it makes a ton of sense to be more musically free angle with it. And the outside is not. And it just sort of buckles your knees inward, which sucks. Oh. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've noticed in doing crossovers now I see, like, with, with my, my eyes, um, my older set of plates, not I just got new skates yesterday. They're so okay. worn because I haven't rotated them that doing a crossover at enough of an angle will cause the skate to just slip out and fly out to the side of me, which is dangerous. Mm hmm. Uh, you mentioned you mentioned a crack. Uh, this is something that I think a lot of people don't think about, but that can kind of burn them. Something for cycling too. If there are cracks in the sidewalk, don't skate completely parallel mm. to them. So they made it very like, easy. What if for your wheels to get caught in the crack? Transferred into an acoustic, and song. that will just that it would be like yeah, this. That'll just send you flying. Saying, what if we just cut? So out you always want to be kind of crossing over the cracks at an angle or, on, or totally on perpendicularly. An and and yeah, if you have a bike with thin tires, that can happen as well. I mean, I've been on a bike before where um, there's enough of a gap between the sidewalk and the dirt that my bike tire has gone into it and just, you know, I'll fall off. So anytime I'm like, I got to go into the grass or something, I'm always making sure to go at a pretty good angle instead of just, you know, lazily drifting over because that's when you fall into the groove and it's not fun. I'm pretty stoked. I got tri skates, which have three wheels. And I opted for uh, bigger wheels that are 110 millimeter. Hmm. I think the ones that you and I typically used were like 84s or 80s. So uh, they're very different. I took them out yesterday and they felt very weird. So I'm going to get used to them. But I'm interested to see how they yeah. fare over time versus the uh, 84s. Because the wheels are bigger, they should ideally go faster. But then there will be less maneuverability. So it's a bit of a trade-off. I do like to go fast. So one thing that I thought wasn't possible, um, being a figure skater as well, you know how like figure skaters and hockey skaters on ice will do the hockey stop where they literally put the blades to the side, but out in front of them and just sort of like snow plow to stop. We do. There I was thought that wasn't possible on skates That's the secret with wheels, question, but it is. You didn't hear about it. Was, uh, there's a guy on YouTube named Bill Stoppard and he has a whole bunch of tutorials Bam. about this. He literally, he'll, he'll kind of shed some speed with drag Screw. stops, but then he will do like this power hockey stop to actually stop quickly. And it's something that I now really want to learn. It's terrifying to do though. Yeah. <laughs> like. Yeah. Well, now, you know, the bigger you are, the harder you fall. You get your face falls further. So it's going to get more broken. Yeah, I'm trying to find a good place to practice it. I feel like the best place would be some kind of smooth concrete rink or basketball court or something. But most of the pavement around us is not that smooth. That or is if it true. is, it is in the middle of the street. 
So I don't know if I want to practice it there, but I will, I will find something. Uh, oh, one other good stopping technique is to do like a slalom with both wheels. And if you get good enough at making the the changes in direction extreme enough, you'll just shed speed that way versus just going totally straight. I mean, if you think about a skier, that's how they uh, control their speed going down the mountain is they kind of go side to side instead of just straight line bombing down the hill. So if you're skating and you're like, all right, I see a stop light up there. I want to shed some speed. Um, first thing I typically do if I have enough width on the path, the path that I'm skating is I'll do that slalom stop or to shed speed. Meaning in like a media stops. And then I can't like they're not eating way more yet, pizza. But what I can do is the you thing know, you taught me produce where you just sort of spin in a circle. Yeah. Your, your ratio flared out wide, which transfers all your forward momentum into a circle. Um, That's fair. Yeah. If you're going too fast, it, it has to be a power stop or it will turn into a power stop or you'll fly forward, which is yeah not the best idea. Uh, how should people buy their skates? Is there any sort of like special skate you got to get? <laughs> mm -hmm. I have K2s as well. Yeah. Yeah, which would be natural. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah, getting the balance is definitely the, the first part and probably the hardest part. And then learning how to stop properly is the next thing. There are a couple of things I'll say about buying skates. I guess the main distinction is in wheel hardness and size. So aggressive skates that are meant for park skating are typically going to have very small wheels that are very hard, which are meant to take the impacts of jumping downstairs and stuff. But uh you know, somebody brought this up in my Instagram comments when I posted my video. They were like, the pavement here is too rough. Uh, skating on it sucks and I can't get any speed. Well, the problem there is if your wheels are too hard, then rough pavement is going to, um, one, major, make your ride really, really bumpy and rattly, but two, slow you down. And um, if your wheels are small, well, if you think about like Mario Kart, right? The carts with the tiny wheels, they accelerate really quickly because there's barely any energy needed to get them rolling, but then they're so small that there's sort of like an upper limit for how fast they can get going or how much distance they can cover. So the bigger your wheels, the higher your top speed. So with, uh, with skates and with um, skateboards as well, if you want to be able to cruise at a decent clip and deal with rough pavement, you'd want softer. Yeah, you're never quite ready wheels. to do it well. And enough. I think, you know, the ones we've always used, I think they're 84 millimeters are totally fine for most pavement. Just don't go out and like buy 60 millimeter, you know, aggressive inline skate wheels with hard boot skates if you just want to cruise around for fun. Mm hmm.
yeah, then you'll know. I also wouldn't pro I wouldn't start with like hundred millimeter or more wheels. Yeah, it's like mm -hmm. that. Um, there's that that quote that I like. That's uh, yep. in yeah, theory, theory I know and practice are the same. 110 is like they're not. You're up a lot higher, so there's so just you, you can watch as much as you want, or read as many books on the topic as you want. And if you never do it, the second you do it, you're going to be like, I feel a different level of understanding mm -hmm. than you could ever just achieve on an intellectual level. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. That's true. I've I've often heard that uh weirdly enough and I don't know yeah, how you need to build is, the intuitive uh, understanding told me this, in addition like, to the intellectual the, understanding a drunk driver and a drunk driving accident gets hurt less because their impairment causes their muscles to be more relaxed. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> you don't you don't just skate around t posing <laughs> and then the next move is t pose on one foot just rolling down i call that the flamingo mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. I mean, on that note, uh, I would recommend wearing a helmet probably always, but at least until you get very comfortable going, stopping, turning all the basics. Cause yeah, I mean, it, it, it is a, a fact that you could have both skates just fly out in front of you if your balance isn't correct and you, you know, fall backwards, uh, and then you could hit your head. So I'm reminded of that. There's a video clip where this dude is just bombing a hill in his longboard and he tries to slide out to do a power stop and just um i don't know what happens but he flips over and falls backwards but down the hill and then when he hits the ground his yeah. head just slams into the pavement but he's wearing a helmet and he just gets up and he's like i love helmets i love helmets that is very true so be like that guy at least in, in the helmet wearing maybe not the bombing hills on your well just uh on your longboard too no, spooky we'll, we'll for set me. Up, we'll set up like uh, 
All right, uh, uh, let's move on to the next skill. Really have any winners. So you know, but hopefully, hopefully every month people interested in we skating. We just got to write a song because plodding along, we're just running and then all we day. We got to show each other. It's not that fun. What we came up with. Also, I have uh, I realized that um, skating is probably better for you. I don't know if it has to be public. I mean, what if you were saving up to make an album? You wouldn't want every song to be running. public necessarily. It's just such lower impact. I mean, some people I mean, do if it you're like jumping that, off but curves and stairs and stuff. It's not low impact. But if you're just out to skate, like the impact on your joints is very minimal. Because it's all just smooth lateral motion, whereas running is just... I can't run for more than six or seven miles without my uh, my left ankle just getting tremendous pain, which is... I mean, it's possible I could train, yeah, I've seen, but I've seen a couple, I don't believe that I could physically like run a marathon because of that. I think I have the cardio to where I could train for a month or two and probably do it, but um, that issue with my ankle will just keep me from doing it trying to loop the music right. it's if it's not How like a conceptual grouping that matters it's just like a this loose collection we, we, of singles done. i do play guitar then, now you yeah the album guitar, is kind of meaningless in that case mm-hmm. yeah which you yeah oh yeah that'll do it we'll just play in front of a mirror and and learn to play looking at your mirrored hand The audience has to look at your back or it's a one-way mirror. <laughs> That's a really weird gimmick. You wouldn't even be able to see the audience cheering for you. Nope. That's, just, that's the introvert's way of playing a show. I started... I also barely so listen I started to playing music guitar in general, when I was, so, I think, 13. You know, every once in a while, I might put on exactly, an album. But, my but for the most part, I don't listen had to this uh, old Fender acoustic guitar from when he was a kid and... I played that for a little bit and then he bought me uh, a Walmart electric guitar. It was like one of those, you know, Fender uh, Squires, I think. Yeah, everyone starts on the Fender Squire. You know, it looks it looks rad. It's a cheap guitar. The construction is not amazing, but hey, it works. And that's that's basically what you need. I think you need an instrument that doesn't sound absolutely terrible yeah. because if it if it sounds fundamentally terrible, not from what you're doing. Well, I mean, there are some copyright issues does, on some of those. Then you're things, not going to be, but like inspired you can't control to get good art. Yeah, but you don't need to go out and buy like a three hundred dollar guitar immediately. You know, I think the like the one hundred dollar Walmart guitars are fine to learn on, or or find one on Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace, just somewhere someone that's selling one that has a you know decent price but also decent condition. Uh, boy, there's a lot I can go into with guitar. So the first thing everyone learns is kind of like the string order and, and your cowboy chords. Um, what really unlocked my playing though, was something that I, I didn't yeah. know it was called this. I didn't even know it was a thing, but there's something called the caged method where yeah, I mean, I make fun of them takes all you want, but the you can't expect to control them when you play your basic chords. Unless again, there are copyrights. Usually, like a in which e case, minor, you, A minor, you might be able C, to. D, and G, and then kind of like builds these, um, these like fret groupings of notes out of those, um, and they're based on like the major and minor scale. I didn't know that existed when I was a, when I was a teenager. 
uh, what I did was just notice that, hey, I have four fingers. I can have one finger on one fret area and it's easier for me to play within those four frets than it is for me to move my hand up and down the fretboard. So over time, I just sort of like puzzled out yeah. patterns. Because yeah, it takes like a billion years to make a five-minute minute video. So if I'm and like yet it takes us only about an hour to create string, this like, All right, well, hour to 90-minute podcast. To ninth fret and then tenth fret. That sounds completely, good. Completely reversed. And if I do the exact same thing on the, the next string, which is the D string, hey, that sounds good if I do the exact same thing. Yeah. And over time, I puzzled out what eventually was just the major scale and the minor scale, depending on where you start. Uh, and playing within those fret groupings helps me to basically get good at improvisational guitar and, and lead guitar without really ever playing any songs of, that were written by other people. So it's kind of an interesting way to learn, but it, it was a good limitation because I didn't feel like I had to go all over the fretboard. It was just like, all right, play within this four, this grouping of four frets. It was almost like playing Guitar Hero. Yeah. Like your, your hand doesn't move. Mm -hmm. I think for me, it was the fifth or into the seventh fret up to the 10th is where I was playing. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, you don't necessarily mm -hmm. want to only ever be producing because then it you could create two hundred videos doing one thing completely start with absurdly or guitar, spending okay. way more time on it, and maybe one video you could have watched would have unlocked a technique. And I started with guitar, so piano was like very foreign to me when I started doing it. When you finger pick, do you do you grow the nails out, or do you just use the pads? Okay, same. Well, you never did. Yeah, that does a pretty neat job of tying up balance. Does that mean that you always felt pain when you were playing guitar? Just always? Because if you, if you got used to it, then you probably yeah. grew some amount of callus on those fingertips. No one is always great at it. They just have to be great at it a balanced amount of the time. Mine are like, thim or at least my, my first three on my left hand are like thimbles. Yeah. And I've realized that uh, the yeah. the type of callus you build, or I guess more the, or the uh, in balance. lack of sensitivity that you build up to playing, it differs between lead yeah. and chord playing. And a lot of people will say like, oh, you know, most people who play lead, they play it on the electric guitar and the strings are thinner there. So you're moving to acoustic. It's, you know, a lot harder to press down. I play almost exclusively acoustic, but I'm very lead focused. Uh, just because I, th I think you could judge from my personality yeah. that that's the kind of guitar I would play rather than just rhythm guitar with steady chord progressions. <laughs> um. <laughs> no, it, it could it could work for it could work for a lot of things. I, I mean, I yeah, like the fiction I, angle, actually, I, I think ask, if someone uh, were to Ashley try to diagnose me with any kind of some kind of like attention novel, disorder, they would first look to the way I play while. guitar and they'd be like, yeah, that's an indicator right there. Bunch of stuff. So I thought that was an he'll interesting play one angle. phrase that's completely made up and then move on to the could next apply thing. to pretty much any Dave. My friend Dave describes my playing as like 
an an AI that was taught to play guitar, but told never to play the same phrase twice. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I noticed that like when I play lead, mm-hmm. I'll build up some callus and some tolerance to the pain of the strings there. And then when I practice chords, it's like I'm back at the beginning and it hurts like crap again. But over time, that sensitivity comes back. So I guess like the first thing I would say about guitar is um, playing it is painful. It's not like piano. There's not a whole lot of pain inherent in playing the piano. I mean, you can get, I guess yeah. you've experienced nerve pain, but that's, you know, that shouldn't happen. Yeah. Yeah, but with, with a guitar, there is inherent pain. Mm-hmm. Um, also, um, I did ask. I, I, I wouldn't. I would say that I thing. never um, really wrote songs until the thing that fueled her um, last year. The best when I did write a clear song daily working goals. A documentary Almost about in any calendar month and how where she's felt successful. But yeah, for like for most of my life playing guitar, and uh, it's been just goal you're me reaching, like making up phrases. And I won't say that I always just you know noodle do new things every time because there are definite phrases I've made up, and I will kind of bring those into my playing. You can just I think that's another thing that you kind of have to push learn as you get better at guitar is you're going to you're going to there's a boundary pattern reach and say notes that you so are if you're exhausted at, and you want to and, keep going, uh, they'll just that might be a little more motivating, especially if you're I'm going to keep improvisational going player like until I, I pass out at this desk. Um, so that's just kind of in my entire myself. life is just like having a clear up phrases, I won, I'm making done up for the day improvisational stuff. I will but, often put on a song and then I will figure out the key that it's in simply by playing. And, uh, you know, interestingly, like starting with that grouping of four frets, yeah, that <laughs> it's a lot led of to me learning one of the cage shapes and then i eventually learned all five of them and then i eventually learned how all five of them yeah you might have unrealistic expectations so if you set so i now look at the fretboard and i see exactly the patterns of frets i need to play you could be within the major scale and not all mental where i place those patterns this isn't writing but when i'm practicing determine the key do the language song. lessons and language conversations. So it's not even like, Spanish, oh, I'm Japanese. I don't they start feel from the best oh, this song is in when D I'm mentally minor, exhausted. Therefore, I go here. But it's backwards. I'm like, oh, this after which that pattern of frets as I play the them, and I can sounds right with this song. Weary brain. Okay, that's this key, and that means if and I, I don't even a little harder, know I can all feel the really keys. good like, about pushing. That's an area where I probably should study more. I know that if I get sick of it, place my. But I know if I, I play also a certain write, pattern where I start you know, on the fifth plenty fret of, lyrics, of the A string, and that's generally and then go, not fiction. Uh, five, Most of my seven, lyrics eight, are either allegory, five, seven, to my real life, string, or like, literally my that's real D minor. Especially which when a lot rap, of metal songs very, are in that key, especially very literal compared to other genres, to drop D. And still come across. So like, I know that key, but, but if you know it's another one, I'm like, I all right, I got to puzzle it out my head. Often I just don't always play. If I sat down, like that is one way in which I like to play. If I sat down, I'm like, I'm going to figure out what the key is just based on which. Pattern I got nothing. Frets and that doesn't that doesn't good work with it. And then I'll just I had to wait improv, for like, a do string improvisational of stuff over here while walking. And lately, I've been and trying so to be a little bit more disciplined about like coming up with a phrase and, I'd have, and then uh, using an it again and again keyboard and this instead of just moving on because I want bag to challenge my brain to remember what I made. And as soon as that single thought hit me, I'd be like, "That line, I think that's something." Plus, like if you get into theory, and I mean, there's there's a kind of an emotional, you know, but as soon as that went away, but there are certain notes that you want to end on. I didn't just sit there 
on you know, any given bar the or the end of a musical phrase. And then uh, I forget what they call it. It's like inspiration um, and loosely think it's, about it's uh, resolving. I find phrase, the right? um, so if you end on a specific note, it might sound very dissonant. Whereas your brain and you're letting it kind of bounce around. You know, the root note of a key, it's it's going to feel like it's much better for me. So. If you're playing improvisation, you kind of have to be aware of that through because that. if you're just you know playing it, notes, I get exhausted real quick with it on a note that sounds and totally wrong. I mean, with I added an entire extra section over, to the lyrics for the song I'm working on, over. like eight months after I wrote the initial song, and I was like, "That's good," but I never mm. would have sat there long enough to come up with whatever thoughts popped in my head eight months later. Yeah. Uh. Mm-hmm. You really don't have to. I mean, Stevie Ray Vaughan, I consider him to be one of the greatest guitarists who ever lived. He never learned to read music. I don't think he really knew keys. He just he just played. Like keys, music theory, mm. reading music, these are all ways that humans have come up with to communicate with each other about music in a language that we can teach. But music is something that is kind of built into us. And uh, the way you play music, you can just learn it kind of by feeling and you don't have to translate it into, into this codified yeah. written language or even these codified concepts. You can just understand that this sounds good to me. This sounds bad to me. I will play what sounds good to me. Mm-hmm. That is definitely hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One thing that I've found useful for songwriting and um, that I guess songwriting isn't on our list, but I'll go on a small tangent about this. I'm somebody who listens to like yeah, progressive that, metal. Because so that totally going into the songwriting too. process, I was like, and again, I have to lyrics, make a really complex, that, cool sounding song. Like, uh, which just got I'm, me if nowhere. I'm singing it or if it fits, fits so then I was like, all right, well, you know what? Somehow. Maybe this is like I'll any write other down skill where another there are building blocks to it that either um, rhymes and if the way I want to, but figure out what these building blocks are. Or, you know, I will number one, the way I want it to, but it's not really related to anything. I'll be like, so that's how it. If I were humming it, that would sound right. So, but it might take me another day or two to come up with even one of the words. Listened over and over and over again to Dark Horse. And if I if I didn't write it down until it was correct, also I kissed a girl by Katy Perry, which is probably the simplest one, probably because it's like literally three minutes. It is your absolute basic verse chorus verse. Yeah, how many syllables sounds good? Like what kind of simple song should I be going with? If you're matching up with music, I just sat there like doing all that at once would be horrible. Measures, counting bars. If I'm going to sit down, I'm trying to write like a novel. Oh, I'm just like okay. I kind of understand the the building blocks now. And then go. I I went. That's not even possible for like professional authors who go through several rounds of edits. I forget the name, but you know, after they've put in years into a book, and the editor's just like, yeah, that first page. And I'm like, all right, eyelid sounds like a more song to me. Here's what you got to do, and now you're crushed because you put so many hours into it. Perry, How come it's still not perfect? Oh, hey, it's just not going to be. It's very similar. It's just that there are a couple of measures of instrumental breaks thrown in, and that's it. But otherwise, it's the same. Like holy crap! And um, you know, you can do that. You can study the the patterns of chord progressions, and once you understand that, you can start to write your own songs. But you'll also start to understand how these songs work, and you'll be able to play along with them uh, more easily if that's what you want to do. So uh, one thing I think we should do for this episode is give people some resources for further learning. 
Um, and there, I think there are a lot more for guitar, uh, but to go back for a second for rollerblading, there are a couple of YouTube channels that would be interesting to check out. One is a guy named Bill Stoppard. He has a lot of good tutorials on the basic stuff. And then there's another guy named Tiago inline skater. And, uh, he, one video I watched in particular recently was like a, how to get into slalom skating, which is just the coolest thing ever. Cool. It's like, it's like some jet set radio stuff. It's super cool. So check his channel out as well. And then for guitar, um, again, I never really took lessons. I didn't really read books. Uh, I just sort of puzzled stuff out for myself. But there is a good site, and I believe corresponding YouTube channel called Justin Guitar. They have a lot of really good introductory material. They have uh, chord diagrams, scale diagrams, all kinds of stuff like that. And then um, uh, Paul Davids has a great YouTube channel all about guitar stuff. So that's a great resource. And then I think there's a website, I think it's called Songster, that has a lot of guitar tabs. And typically Ultimate Guitar is the resource to get tabs and or chord sheets for songs that you want to play. And I guess I should mention them because most people probably want to play established songs. Most people probably aren't weirdos like me that just play lead stuff improvisationally. Um, but I like Songster because it you it will take the tab and it creates a MIDI recreation of the song. So you can hit play and watch this bar go along and sort of see how the song sounds with those notes. And it doesn't sound as good as the real song, but it's like, oh, Okay, now I get how this phrase is supposed to sound. Because <laughs> when you're learning a song, like you can't learn it at one x speed. You got to slow it down. And at least for me, when it slows, when it's slowed down, sometimes it just sounds wrong. And I'm like, wait, how is this phrase supposed to sound? So you can with the MIDI recreations a little bit easier to see what's going on or hear what's going on. Yeah. And the, you've used Musician before, right? Yeah, I found it. It was tough for me to get into it because. Yeah. The, there's like this sort of video gamey progression that you go through almost like a skill tree. And I started it after I had been playing guitar for like 15 years. So the first like, I don't know, five hours of content was just stuff that was so boring for me. I couldn't get through it. But for a beginner guitar player, that might be an interesting app because it is like Guitar Hero essentially where your device listens to you as um, you play along with the song yeah. and give, gives you a score. Binging is pretty much the norm. Now. So that could be yeah. that could be a good bit to learn. Um, uh, that's this, actually a decent for this. I'd probably give the same advice that I'd skill, give which is piano. Plays too many video games, which you know because uh, musician I think um, was originally. I had a lot of success limiting app, entirely to like Friday and, and Saturday guitar now too, so that I'm allowed to binge on those days if I want. If I can't give them up, um, if that's how do you get into that? A little bit each day. Sometimes I find cold turkey on more days to be way easier than mm. not slipping in and accidentally playing for like four more hours than I thought. Like it's, it's better to just say not at all. And then Friday, lose your mind and go for it. But yeah, I get, I get sucked into TV pretty easily sometimes, especially if it's been a hard mm -hmm. week mentally or emotionally, I'll start to like vicariously feel stuff through the characters and then I'll feel really weird when I disconnect. So I'll need to keep watching. And that's, that's probably not good for my productivity or my emotional well-being to end up that deep into the show. Oh, I, f I feel like, I feel like finishing a book to me, it feels like I'm practicing dying not to be too morbid, yeah. 
but I lived this it's whole life noting in this that's book, something you should and I now must end typing and well. that it's like no matter what the book because your nerve damage initially came from because uh, I got so into poor ergonomics but, with your yeah the best thing position. that I've done for those is doing uh, some sort of a five day rule or if if mm-hmm. I have to limit it to I'm gonna do a little bit and then not more every day or something that works best for me before the sun has retreated to our neighboring hemisphere yeah. during the day. It's way easier for me to disconnect and get back to something else. I'll go for a walk or the sunlight mm-hmm. will fuel me. And I'll get creative and do something else. If it's nighttime, I feel like if I'm in my house sitting down, watching TV or playing games at night, time stops existing. So it's way harder for me to disconnect at night. That's actually a good point. Video game music is often a great starting point, especially retro, because it's very simple. Mm-hmm. But it's not yeah, hot cross buns, which is boring. I, I try that. I'm not great at it lately. Yeah. that's fair as long as the other things can pull you out of like that world yeah (laughs) yeah if you're if you're bouncing back and forth between huge things like the office or avatar and you just i'm gonna rewatch that next week that might be a problem Mm. yeah Mm-hmm. that's probably a good idea <laughs> like put a buffer mm-hmm. put like a buffer space in between so that you get used to the idea that you're not always watching something that that makes sense I think there's also a community yeah. of people who have made sheet music and you can download it into MuseScore. Uh, and I have the MuseScore iPad oh, app, so I can kind of put that on my piano and use it as sheet music. Ah. <laughs> you memorize the phrase and kind of build the muscle memory faster than you read the the notes mm-hmm. yeah 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I use I use some of what I I learned in my daily life now, but I will say that a large portion of what I do these days is not something I learned in school, and the degrees did not really matter. So this is a weird position <laughs> to be in. I guess you know, we should we should probably like put that more strongly. If you're gonna learn music, learn music that you enjoy listening to. Yeah, then they're, they're not gonna be like the black sheep of the the management yeah. information systems world, where they're just like, oh yeah, you thought you could stray. You're never coming back. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And is the field you majored in one where you have to climb up the ranks mm -hmm. for a long time? And if so, how much progress are you sacrificing? Mm. Yeah. Uh, so one thing that I want to say is, along the same lines, when I started playing piano, every time they teach you stuff in piano, they do it in C and C major because that is the key, the only key of an A minor, I guess, which is its relative minor key, uh, yeah. that involves only the white keys on the keyboard. So you don't have to go up and mess with the, the black keys and figure out how to do all that. Uh, but I find major keys to be a little more boring. Now, I, that, I know that that is just me not having enough experience with major keys. So it's something that I need to go into, but you know, as a piano, uh, I wouldn't say beginner now, but still probably in the beginner phase for me, minor key music as a metal head, as somebody who listens to a lot of like two thousands emo crap like that, uh, minor key stuff is more interesting to me. It's what I gravitate to. So, um, when teaching myself piano, I started with, um, improvisation and learning in uh, D minor. And if I am not incorrect, I think D minor is the key signature that only is it's one key signature that only requires one yeah. black key. Or are you pivoting entirely and you just I like think secretly it is, you want to do you this know, you kind start of job. from D and it's all but white you keys until it, you get not to. What you uh, Although in that case, I, I would is, say um, who cares? B as, as long as what you want to do it, will pay for the bills that, that you incurred to study what yeah. you studied. In that case, I would concern no, no, no. myself with what I studied. Sorry, before. A sharp. Yeah. I think it's A sharp. So anyway, if it's just one, that is not that much. That's not like, it's like a, a little bit more difficult than playing completely in C major. But for me, it's yeah. so much more interesting to play minor chords. 
Yeah. Right. For me, the home is is the D key, which is it's very easy to remember. Because yeah. D is in the doghouse. It's the grouping of three, and it's the middle one. That's where I start. And I can create triads from there, and I can start to build chords, and then I can improvise over those chords. Um, for me, that was much more interesting. So to your point, I'm like, I'm not going to start with C major because I find it a little bit more boring. I'm starting with D minor. I find that more interesting. And um, so a few things that helped with my own progression. Yeah. Uh, going from being a guitar player to learning piano. Uh, the biggest yeah, one was actually isn't learning a little bit of music theory. For what you're currently doing. Just a little so bit. And if for anyone who wants to learn, I take 30 minutes. Andrew Huang has this fantastic music theory tutorial on his YouTube channel. Um, I learned through if a book called Music Theory 101 by a guy named Brian Boone. You, I think Andrew you should probably just do whatever they say because I don't know start. how that works. Music Theory 101 is a great book. Getting, I would probably real weird with that. But um, Andrew's tutorial is visual. And they didn't even go to current you. Sound, they were just like examples. And we need past you just to do this. Great. It's the best introduction to music theory I've ever seen. Uh, if you if you understand a little bit of theory, just a few fundamental concepts. Which are intervals? An interval yeah, you is gotta just get back, how back many to the past semitones in a samurai semitone jack? Is just like going up obviously. from like A to A sharp. That would be a semitone. I think so. Or a half step. How many? You know, that's not a bad destiny to have. Um, on each note within a particular key. You know, if it's major, yeah. it has a certain type of interval Don't pattern. Don't bother if that's. I what forget you're doing. the exact one, but it's like you know some amount of whole steps and half steps in a certain pattern, and and then minor is a different yeah. pattern. If you learn that. If you learn how chords are built, so, you know, in a, in a major scale, it's like go up this many half steps for the first yeah. thing in the chord and this many half steps for the next thing in the chord. If you learn how that's built. And then the third thing is if you learn about inversions, and I know I'm throwing a lot of whole, whole lot of jargons here, but an inversion is basically like, all right, you take your basic triad chord, which would be like the D key and then, um, Boy, I'm bad at thinking about yep. this on the fly. Like D, F, A, maybe. An inversion would just be like taking that high A and moving it down an octave. So your A is the first or the lowest. By which note I in the assume chord. we will answer. If you learn about inversions. About that you learn about your intervals and your keys. I don't care. You learn about how to build chords in the first that, place. I don't have an opinion on them. That is, but I can have a an lot opinion of on that opinion. Information. If you can learn those three pieces of information, they're incredibly powerful for for getting good at piano, especially since the piano is laid out so simply for learning how those intervals Yeah, because we're trying work. to do productivity like, stuff, hard but there's a lot of iffy stuff strings. in that world, unfortunately. Like if you play it on one string, it makes sense, but if you're going between yeah. the strings, it's like, what, what note is this? I don't know. The piano is so easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it, one thing I will mention here is uh, Martin's camera glitched out. So <laughs> we, we may have Martin's actual face popping up here in the video and we, we may not. We'll see what happens. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, you can't say that about them in general. Uh, you can use them in a way that makes them useless. If you could read one book yeah. actually use the ideas or one idea contained inside and and you could never need another one or you could read 10 more books thinking you need all the ideas in the world use none of them because you thought 
you know, once again, like earlier, I'm not ready to be productive or happy until I have the perfect formulas in every aspect. At that point, they're actually, I wouldn't say that they're worthless. I would say they're worse than worthless because at that point you're using them as a crutch to keep you from doing anything. Mm. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you yeah. probably didn't even use yeah, it. Yeah, that's, that's something that's uh, good. You to let mention. it pass through your and head. I, I've sort of noticed, and like, as somebody who's learning a little like bit of music theory, I will get will to points where I'm playing just for fun, and, and I'm like, point, "Hey, this sounds good." Of but it doesn't make sense because I this doesn't this isn't a triad chord. I'm playing a chord with two notes right next to each other. That doesn't make sense at all. And you know what? There's whoa. probably something in whoa. music theory that says like, "Yes, that works," and this is what it's called. But I'm not that far yet. So like, yeah. So for me, it's like, oh, well, if it sounds good, I'm going to use it. Not, oh, you know, I haven't gotten that far in my studies of the the tonality of the universe. So therefore I'm not going to use it. Like, no, it sounds good. I'm going to use it. It's math. It's just math. Yeah. Nuanced stuff (laughs) isn't popular. Fair enough. Uh, So yeah, so resources for piano. Um, Andrew Wong's music theory tutorial on YouTube. Absolutely a great one. Uh, Excuse me, sir. That's a lot of, it's a lot of words. Piano. I wanted um, like two Nari words Soul. max. Like a great YouTube book, channel. good. She's very, very, bad. very I advanced. Really I don't go. know what she has in terms of beginner content, sentence. but I do like the fact that she posts, uh, or she at least has a few videos where she shows That's her it. practice routine and why she's <laughs> doing certain things and how she progresses from easier routines to more difficult ones. I really like that. I'm not sure what you have for piano. People do love an Mm. enemy. Oh, and if you pick a piece of sheet music, number one, uh, the bass clef uses a different, it start not not a different order of notes, but it starts at a different, you know, it's not F A C E on the staff. It's different. Uh, So I had to learn that. I was sitting there trying to like puzzle out a piece of Hollow Knight music, thinking the bass clef used the exact same notes in the exact same positions on the staff. And I was like, why does this sound so bad? This is stupid. It's different. So learn that. Um, I have printed out on my piano a circle of fifths, which shows the different keys and the and the key signatures because it, it doesn't say on the staff like this is F sharp. It's like a number of sharp symbols or flat symbols and you have to memorize like, oh, you know, five flat symbols equals this key. I haven't memorized it, which is why it didn't say a key there. <laughs> um, and then it also, I also have a staff there with the names of the notes for both treble and bass clef. That's very useful. And the other thing is when you print out or you get a piece of sheet music on MuseScore, teach yourself the right hand, then teach yourself the left hand, then try to put it together. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Playing and singing music is so difficult. I'm starting to get to the point where I can do it with my guitar. If I'm playing very simple, it's, it's actually like it feels so much easier to connect with somebody with when you're like, very I, simple, strong. We both hate that. That's like, I can sing that's almost a, very, a stronger glue now, moment, like, than we both like flowers. 
I but we both hate it. bees. They're stupid, which is a very weird position. Yeah, I just said the first mm-hmm. word that came to my mind, but that doesn't make sense. Yeah, at I all. guess what they I've been told is like it's so good at the <laughs> playing part that it's automatic, and then you yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, that doesn't. Their position that. is a little a little tenuous, but you're going to connect way easier on mutual opposition to something just because it feels so right. Like our tribal nature is desperate yeah. for something to say is not. Mm-hmm. part of what i'm about uh i'm not about that life hashtag that on there hashtag be life like, not for oh, me boy i yeah i do think the <laughs> self-righteous anger topic. is like one of the, the most it's like a drug <laughs> of a feeling like it doesn't feel good i would it still feels very negative but it also you're like does feel good in in a way yeah like yeah i've been been making videos for five years more than five years now um i use a cinema camera like (laughs) don't feel like you have to make videos like i make them from the beginning my first videos uh i was using i had like a basic sony camera and i bought it to take photos in japan uh, but it took video and I didn't even have a tripod that was tall enough yeah. for me while I was standing. So my first video yeah. on my channel, yeah, uh, my, um, my storage, I be full. put the, so I put we'll the camera on top of my bookshelf. Oh, it just, it, yeah, I just, and then I my phone. if I can't fix it, we'll just like to stick a cool stack it. So it was pointing at a downward angle, framing my face correctly. No, it won't matter. Yeah. And I think I had like something heavy. I'm going to draw pixel mark um, writing the pixel llama actually. at the back of the shelf. Um, I, it was like a dumbbell well, now and I've I put the camera strap so around the dumbbell. So the my phone's full. Fall. I'm not even going to bother. We're on the fifth <laughs> question. We'll end with a pixel Martin writing uh, a pixel so, llama. I guess the, that's, I'll, I'll give a few things. That's going to be the last part of the video for my side. You need to use the camera you have. And then I think you need to master three things first. Lighting, sound, and content. So lighting, you want to have your face or your subject lit well. Uh, and you can you can go into like three-point lighting if you really want to get sort of technical with the basics. But the, the most <laughs> like one simple blog thing would just be like, if you're going to film yourself, 800 words for no uh, reason. film near and uh, not open window, but a, win- a window that's not covered with blinds. And then film it so that the the window is lighting your face. So maybe have the camera like near the window, or if you think about like a three hundred and sixty maybe in your room with uh, the window being at zero degrees, like maybe have the camera within forty five degrees you of could, the window. You could you could tweet you how that like works. The opposite the window, so that way it's lighting you instead of you having this blown out background with your face being in shadow. That's a big thing. So just think about lighting. That's a huge yeah. thing. Um, ev- like most everyone has a smartphone. The camera on your smartphone is great. Yeah, these days, I- I'd say the camera in the camera in my last three iPhones is probably better than the camera I started my YouTube channel with. It's they they could all film in 4K. Really? That's for sure. I think the only thing my original camera had over the iPhone camera is that's the ability use, right? to get a little bit of a blurry background. And that is a, a function of just the lens being able to go down to a lower yeah, aperture. Like, I, I, yeah. Yeah. And if you go out, I mean, a mobile, a mobile lens can do it to a degree. Like if you go out to a field and you put the camera near your face, 
the background is going to be blurry just because the background is so far away that the, huh. um, what do they call that? The, the focal distance, the field of view is, it eventually runs out and you get, it gets blurry. It's just that it's tough to make a mobile lens, make that field of view very narrow to get a nice blurry background. Like if you're in a bedroom or something, it's hard to get, but you know what? It doesn't really matter. Um, in fact, when I think of, People yeah, who don't have could, crazy production value or doesn't um, like blurry backgrounds or whatever. I think of a YouTuber named Jenny Nicholson. She makes videos sitting on her bed talking about like Star Wars or theme parks or whatever she yeah. wants. Her camera quality is just—it looks like she's filming on a potato. And I'm pretty sure she has access to a better camera because she has another channel that's like smaller and people don't know about it. But like the videos that are on that are crispier than her main channel. So I almost wonder if she does the bad camera on purpose. <laughs> um, but her channel's big now. Like it's hundreds of thousands of subscribers. She gets more video, more views per video than I do. I'm pretty sure. And that's because her content's good. And her content is nothing fancy with crazy camera tricks. It's just that what she's talking about is interesting. And she says it in an interesting way. She's fun to listen to. So, you know, if you want to get into making videos, I guess that's the main thing is like, think about having something interesting to say and, and doing it in interesting, interesting way. Um, for me, that often comes in the writing. You know, if I'm writing a video script, uh, I often want to go through it with a second kind of go through a second pass yeah. to either punch up jokes or remove parts that I don't think are necessary or interesting. Um, this also happens in editing. I'll say things that even during the scripting process, I thought were necessary. And then I'm in the edit and I'm like, ah, this is kind yeah, of that's, yeah, padding out the like section of video. It's killing the energy. Or if you cut. tried to read, like, I, I really tried to read the Da Vinci biography, super huge. Oh yeah. And you're not into I have to think heavy. about the Just whole uh, kill your doll. And then kill your darlings extra, thing. Like, I think it was uh, Hemingway that said that. That you're going to get darlings. back to learn how to and make French that, food. reference to writing. You could do anything with that time. even more important when it comes to video. You're going to, say something in your video or write it in your script. And you're going to think that's super necessary. I have to have that. Uh, but then your audience thinks it's the most boring thing in the world. And it would have been better as an overall product to remove that bit. Good example. I made this video on the Rome research tool recently, and I was talking about all the things I liked about it. Uh, and one of the things was the hybrid markdown system, which is very much like notions. If you nice, use you markdown like formatting and then you enter, it actually does the formatting for you. I love that. But I spent like two minutes talking about it and then I'm in the edit and I'm like, this video is like 18 minutes long and two minutes of that is just me talking about how you can make text bold <laughs> in a certain way and how that's great. I chopped it out. Nobody cared. They're going to realize you can do that when they start using the tool, you know? So there's like, there's things you think is are important and then you got to look at it from your audience's perspective and ask yourself like, is this, is this hurting the overall flow of the video or not? You know? And if it's like an educational video, um, one thing I constantly have to tell myself is this isn't a comprehensive course on this topic. Yeah, and that, if that's anything, really I'm just getting people interested anyway, in because you're not going to so be able to do, do more research on their own every day. And if that's they the case, I can that, leave things out. That's that fine. Or not. That it is. Mm-hmm.
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, so that, that's content. The biggest Online thing I want to say about content, and I've started making this very public, is uh, I think you should follow something that I call the 1% rule, where to get better, you commit to trying to get 1% better with each thing you do, and then you put yourself on a schedule so that way you're that's actually cool. publishing things on a free basis. Cool, I guess. And if you can do these two things, I'm not. Then over the long term, you will get insanely good at the thing you're doing because you are guaranteeing that you're publishing population. on a frequent schedule. And with everything you're publishing, they got you're getting a ones. little bit better. So on my videos now, yeah. I pin a comment that I call my 1% rule log, where I will kind of list out the few things that I focused on doing a little bit better in that video. And then I've linked to an overall journal where I kind of keep those, those notes for every video that I'm doing. Um, so over time, people are going to be able to see like, oh, this is the video where he learned to do that. And this is the video where he learned to do that. And I want to illustrate the point that, you know, if you watch one of my videos and you're like, this thing is so technical and crazy, it's because I made like 400 other videos before that, each of which taught me one little thing that then became second nature over time. So, mm-hmm. Um, going back to some technical stuff with lighting, my first lights, I built myself. You can build your own lights, uh, by buying led light bulbs. And I would buy led light bulbs because they don't put out a ton of heat. And then like these, there's like these shop lights you can get from home Depot or Lowe's or whatever. Uh, you can put them onto, you can clamp them to anything. My initial lighting or setup, if you want to take Thomas to Frank down, legs. put down some one star reviews and you then, know, and uh, then you can be take wax paper he relies on those or parchment paper. I think I used wax paper and tape it over the front of the shop light <laughs> thing and that gets you your diffusion. So, oh no. You know, my first probably 50 or 60 videos were filmed with those DIY lights. The first few of them were just I didn't even have light stands. I just clamped them to anything I had. I think I did a couple of videos where I, I didn't I wanted a stand but I couldn't because I couldn't clamp it to anything high enough. So I sat in my office chair and clamped one light to my loft bed and then clamped another light to like another chair yep. in my room, just pointed towards me. And that worked just fine. So that works. Uh, and then the other thing I mentioned was audio. Audio is more important than video. Like if you, if you look at a really nicely filmed That's video true. that has terrible audio, it's going to feel so amateur and it's not pleasant to listen to. And you got to think about this, like sound, uh, hearing is an involuntary sense. Almost, almost forgot that. Whereas like one. sight is a voluntary sense. I can close my eyes. I can look away. So what I choose to look it at is my means. choice. And uh, what I choose to listen to is not my choice. So I think that we're much more sensitive to pleasant audio than we are to pleasant visuals. Not to say that visuals aren't important, but I think you got to get your audio right first. Um, so invest in a microphone before you invest in a more expensive camera. And the really nice thing about this is that a decent microphone costs far less than a decent camera, like orders of magnitude less. You can get a $15 lav mic on Amazon that plugs into your phone. Now, most phones don't have a headphone jack anymore, so you got to get like the adapter. But if you get that, plug that into your phone, and then you clip the lav mic to your shirt, then your, your audio is instantly better. Um... I never used a lab when I was starting out. I almost never do now. I only do it when I'm doing walk and talk stuff outside. 
Um, the I think I used a Blue Yeti when I started, and then I moved to this SN7B, which is kind of an expensive mic. But if you're listening to this right now, and you're thinking to yourself, Martin's audio quality sounds pretty much just as good as Tom's. You're right. And you're using, uh, I think it's a $75 mic. It's the uh, ATR2100. Now it's a mic that you kind of have to have somewhat close to your mouth to sound good because it's a dynamic mic. But, uh, you know, I love YouTube because there is always a creator that causes you to challenge your assumptions. When I got into YouTube, my assumption was I'm going to look like a total noob amateur if my mic is in the view of the camera. So I have to hide it. And I would always position the mic right below the camera. And I thought I had pretty good audio. But then like Potato Jet has this gigantic channel with 600,000 subscribers. And he's one of the most respected names in um, the whole like YouTube community of of videographers and filmographers. And most of his videos, he's just got the mic on the mic arm in the frame. And that's what he's using for sound. And nobody cares because again, the content is interesting. So, you know, you want to get into videos? Cool. Buy a $75 dynamic mic, have it in the frame close to your mouth so you sound great and then light yourself correctly. Uh, And then for editing, there are free editing programs out there now. I edit with Premiere Pro, but I'm not sure I would recommend Premiere Pro to anybody new these days. I'm I'm like locked in because I'm such an expert with it, but I also hate it for certain reasons. Um, DaVinci Resolve is free. Hit Film Express is free. Macs come with uh, iMovie. So the tools are there, you know, like $45 spent on some DIY lights or no dollars and an open window, uh, a $15 lav mic off Amazon or like a, you know, $50 to $75 dynamic mic for really nice quality plug into your computer and edit it with a free program, you're good to go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's a good point. Mm -hmm. in fact the video that i put out today uh it was about organizing your phone i have this mic on this arm in the shot and i positioned it in such a way that the arm and the mic actually kind of filled out the composition and made it look a little bit better because the way i had it before i felt that me being on one side of the screen it felt a little empty so i was like oh i could center myself or I could just position the mic so it looks really nice. And I had like a plain blue gradient background. So I just positioned the mic so it was like in the perfect position where it wasn't covering anything, didn't have anything in the background that was complex and just looks, to my eyes, nice in the composition. Yeah. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude, Coffeezilla, Coffeezilla holds his mic during his videos, like he's some kind of announcer or something, just the whole time, and you know, no one cares. 
good audio over good video every time. Nice. All right, we have one more skill to talk about, and I know nothing about this skill. So let's talk about pixel art, because I know people have asked you about getting into that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Definitely. just figured out why my phone ran out of space because I'd buy my phone ran out of space because I'd buy my phone ran out of space because I'd buy my phone ran out of space because I'd buy my phone ran out of space because I'd buy my phone ran out of space because I'd buy my phone ran out of space because I'd buy my phone ran out of space because I'd buy my phone ran Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yep. Or a magnemite. Nice. Mm-hmm. I actually want to look at your, uh, it's on Instagram, right? <laughs> Definitely. That's true. Yo, Marthalo Mew.
just figured out why my phone ran out of space cuz i'd buy my phone mm. ran out of space cuz i'd buy my phone ran out of space cuz i'd buy my phone ran out of space cuz i'd buy my phone ran out of space cuz i'd buy my phone ran out of space cuz i'd buy my phone ran out of space cuz i'd buy my phone ran out of space cuz i'd buy my phone ran wait is enoch the same the same grid uh, same size grid as the pokemon here okay he looks more zoomed in maybe you just used actually I... Oh, each Pokemon is the same size grid as Enoch. Okay. I thought you were saying like, gotcha. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, you do. Mm-hmm. Well, I would also count the pixel llama. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's exactly the same. It's the 1% rule. You're just kind of, especially that Christmas one, I, I felt that was a kind of a big leap forward because it was, going from pure 2d you know and sometimes um sometimes you go more than one percent because you're inspired <laughs> and you know it's like you know, don't feel like you can Definitely. only go one percent whatever that even means mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm just figured out why my phone ran out of space cuz i'd buy my phone ran out of space cuz i'd buy my phone ran out of space cuz i'd buy my phone ran out of space cuz i'd buy my phone ran out of space cuz i'd buy my phone ran out of space cuz i'd buy my phone ran out of space cuz i'd buy my phone ran out of space cuz i'd buy my phone ran Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a big thing. That's actually something that um, I remember doing like as a beginning blogger because there's all kinds of articles out there. It's like, here's how to design your website. Here's how to write a blog article. But then like the bloggers I really admired, like Steve Cam from Nerd Fitness, Pat Flynn from Smart Passive Income, I would pay attention to how they built their blog. Like I remember, yeah, like 2010, I'm like, oh, Steve has this cool feature box at the top of his website instead of it just being the latest article. Maybe I should do that. Oh, this like Pat is using this much line height on his article text. And oh, he only does like, you know, one or two sentences before doing a line break that kind of breaks up the article, makes it not a wall of text. Um, And I do the same thing with videos. Like I've noticed, I try to pay attention to what I find interesting in a video. So uh, recently I've been watching this channel called Up Is Not Jump. And he does a lot of videos on VR games. Um, And for the most part, they're like your typical review of a game, a lot of voiceover. But what's unique about his channel is like, it seems like every 15 to 30 seconds, he will just throw in this incredibly jarring skit it's like sometimes it's like one second of footage like uh i don't know he's doing a video about alien isolation he'll just like cut to him with this alien face hugger prop on his face just like screaming or i don't know it's it's often very ridiculous but i notice like oh these little skits kind of break up the the video and kind of like <laughs> shake up the pacing a little bit and they keep me watching the Definitely. whole time and there's also just something about the audio coming from a different source that sort of like resets my attention and doesn't let my brain just start wandering and getting, you know, lost. So I tried that in my how to focus video that I just put out from the work from home series. I'm like, well, let's just try doing a couple of skits where I actually just record audio from them. Why my phone ran out of space? Because I buy my phone ran out of space. Because I buy my phone ran out of space. I didn't really. No one told me to do that. Because I buy my phone ran out of space. Because I buy my phone ran out of space. Because I buy my phone ran out of space. Because I buy my phone ran out of space. Because I buy my phone ran. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So to recap pixel art, the resources you had mentioned were the pixel grimoire, right? And then uh pixel Pete's YouTube channel where he has, I don't think it's only about pixel art. Cause I think he has some game programming stuff, but he does have some, he's got some basic uh, pixel art tutorials as well. And those would probably be a pretty good place to start. Ah, yep. Cool. All right. Well, boy, I thought this episode was going to be quick, but of course, you know, how do you define or design an episode where you talk about five things you're passionate about and make it quick? (laughs) Whoops. Like this episode, it's an hour and a half. (laughs) 
it it does just happen. Yeah. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm going to do a 30 minute episode. There's just no way. I would feel bad if I made a 30 minute episode. And I know like it, I shouldn't because the length doesn't determine the quality, but it's just like, I'm so used to talking to you for an hour to an hour and a half. Just what it is. But also, I don't know, like sometimes I will, I love the Money Lab podcast with my friend Matt. And when there's like a 30 minute episode, I'm like, oh man, I was hoping for an hour. It's like, it's like a thing I look forward to every week. So I don't know. I usually shoot for like an hour just because that's, that's true. Or your money back because you didn't spend any money. (laughs) Anyway, uh, that's going to be it for this episode, I think. So I know there's going to be some show notes for this because we talked about resources for all five of these skills. So you're going to (laughs) go over to CIGpodcast.com slash 294 if you want to get those show notes and check out any of those resources. Otherwise, CIGpodcast.com, no trailing slash, no numbers. If you want to just get to the podcast's homepage where you can find out how to subscribe to this show, which will ensure that you are subscribed even when we change the name and the branding and all that good stuff. Uh, we are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google why Podcasts. Why my phone ran out of space? Because I'd buy my phone ran out of space. Because I'd buy my phone ran out of space. Because I'd buy my phone. Look at our faces. I'd buy my phone ran out of space. Because I'd buy my phone ran out of space. Because I'd buy my phone ran out of space. Because I'd buy my phone ran out of space. Because I'd buy my phone ran out I don't know. I don't know what it's going to be. It could be anything. But we're on YouTube, and that is also at cigpodcast.com. Otherwise, I put out three videos last week. So YouTube.com/slash/ThomasFrank if you're interested. Uh, one was on how to focus when you're working from home. One was on a really cool note-taking tool that I've been using called Rome Research. And one was about how to organize your phone, get rid of apps that are distracting you, mitigate against distractions, all kinds of cool stuff like that. So check those out. Um, what else? What else? What else? Oh, yeah. Collegeinfogeek.com slash newsletter. Sign up to my newsletter every week on Tuesday. I send a uh, little bit of a summary of what we made for you that week, be it articles on College of Geek, the podcast that we came out with, if there was a podcast, and the videos that I've done, plus cool things that I have found, things that I'm reading, tools I want to share, study music, and a quote of the week. So check out those resources. Share this podcast with a friend if you want to see it grow and you want to make your friends happy because this podcast is awesome and should make your friends happy. And uh, maybe go try to learn something. We gave you five potential things to go and learn. And as it turns out, all of these, with the potential exception of one of them, can be done even if you're stuck inside, quarantined all day long. Get into all of them. You could do, actually, you could do that. I mean, Bill Stoppard's channel, when the quarantine started, his content just shifted to him learning how to grind rails in his living room. So... (laughs) Yeah, I imagine that he is well aware that he's ruining his floor, or maybe he just owns his apartment. I don't know what it is. But, uh, you know, guitar, piano, videography, pixel art. Uh, of all of those, I would say pixel art is probably the most accessible one. Nice. Just got to get a sprite. You do it with a mouse, right? You don't do it with a pencil or anything. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, uh, if you have other questions about any of these skills or hobbies, put them in the comments of the YouTube version. That's where we typically check comments. Uh, or anything else you would like us to cover skill-wise in future episodes because these episodes are fun. Uh, That's going to be it. So thanks, as always, for hanging out with us, and we will see you in the next episode. Stay cute.